Good evening, everybody. We are here, Master Twelfth. Another Q and A session one one zero. So many things. Truly, truly, events are overtaking time. <laughs> I don't think we have enough time to. It's like John's statement at the end of the Gospel according to John. All the books in the world will not be enough to contain what Jesus said and did in the same way. Like time is flying. So many things keep happening. But we thank you still for your questions. Until he comes, the word of God says, occupy. So we need answers. We all will go through situations every day for which we do not have an answer. So we turn to Christ and to his word and he gives us that answer. So this evening, thank you for all the questions that have come in and, uh, Before we start, let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, today for the pastor's conference. And now, Lord, for the Q&A. Commit to your people everywhere, Lord. All who are tuned in. Lord, that you would reach out and touch them. Those who are not able to tune in because of issues, touch them. You are everywhere. You are the only one who can touch people at different places at the same time. And your virtue will flow into their lives. Heal, Father. Comfort, Lord. Strengthen, Lord. Deliver out of the lion's mouth. Your people, called by your name, who are hunted down, Lord. As Paul said, led like sheep to slaughter. But Lord, we know whose sheep we are. Mm. We just want to thank you once again. Give us the wisdom to answer your question, the questions, Lord. Your wisdom, not our wisdom. Your wisdom. We trust that you are prayer answering God. So we receive that answer by, with thanksgiving. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Come at this time into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Pastor, we'll start with question number eight. Okay. Uh, this is got through with uh, baptism and communion. As, uh, question number eight says, as Christians, we are asked to observe two ordinances in the New Testament, <clears throat> baptism and communion. In scripture, when both these ordinances are mentioned, Paul talks about it not only in relation to the individual, but also in a sense to the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13, baptized into one body. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 12, 29, not discerning the body. Pastor, could you please elaborate on these verses in the context of baptism and communion? And especially, what does it mean to discern the body? Um, it's, it's, it's like what the Lord says, uh, He's the head, the church is the body. So that way, uh, it's, it's not like this body, but it's a illustration. Like, we are one family. Mm. We are one family. The church is one family body. Different illustrations are used in Ephesians uh, 3, 13 and 14. It talks about the whole family in heaven and earth. Okay? Uh, yeah. Uh, 14 and 15. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And verse 15 says, 
from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. So different illustration, I mean, uh, what do you call it? Um, metaphors. metaphors are used um, as a body, as a family, church, as a building. No, different. The wine, he's the wine, we are the branches. So different things to put across the same idea that we belong to him and we belong to one another. We are part of it. So now coming back to the question. So therefore what happens is that uh, we have uh, two ordinances primary in the new covenant. One is baptism. Baptism, see, baptism is the, is the, what you call the official or the public demonstration that I belong to Christ. I belong to Christ. There was a very personal, private, something which only God and you actually know mm. that happened between you and God. You may go 50 times before to the altar before it actually it becomes real. Some people it happens the first time. Some people they keep on going because they are not still sure because salvation is uh, it's, it's in so many ways. It's a mystical thing. Yes, yes. It's a mystical thing. Yes. no? But when it happens, you know you are saved mm. because you know you have transited from one point to the other from from this world into the other, you know you belong to God. So in the same way, but the, the physical part of it is when the world knows is that when you take what we call the believer's baptism. So when you take the believer's baptism, the Bible says actually, officially, we are baptized into the body of Christ. Mm. Baptism means immersion. Okay, we are baptized into the body of Christ and when we rise up, we rise up as a new. See, when the Bible says, when Christ died on the cross, we died with him. Yes. Okay, we died with him. So when did we die with him? 2,000 years ago, hypothetically. But when did it really happen when I got baptized? Okay, there was an event that took place in history took place in history, but it functionally becomes real for me is on my day of my baptism. I am actually identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Like we heard in the morning, uh, if you go to Isaiah 46 and verse 9 and 10, there's something which only God can say, 9 and 10, Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God. There is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Only God can say this. Mm. He can say the end from the beginning because he's not in, in he's not caught in time. Mm. He's not caught in time. So when he says something, it's already done. Because he sees it done. He's not seeing it done. He sees it done. It is finished. It is done. So, when God says, we died in Christ Jesus, we were raised up with Christ Jesus, and we are seated with Christ Jesus, when did it happen? Even before the foundation of the world was laid. Yes. Even before. When he started, or <laughs> there is no beginning for him. So, it's very difficult for to understand because we are caught in this thing called time. Mm. God does not have time. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the world. So all that is for God. It's a finished reality. Okay. Now, this is so important for us. If that is a finished reality for us, then we should stop panicking. Hmm. Should stop panicking. Meaning it is, it is done. 
it is done okay we are not inventing anything we are just discovering things that has already been done amen okay we are only discovering things that already been done so um, it is like uh, like uh, all of you who are listening to me listening to me online it gives you a 45 minute gap before you actually hear me 45 second gap before you actually hear me but those who are sitting here is hearing me immediate live mm. but you are also hearing the same thing only thing it reaches you 45 seconds late it is because of the net and all that whatever technology that is it the gap takes place but the reality is the same mm. reality is the same you see as soon i have spoken from here that cannot be taken away from you unless your internet breaks it cannot be taken away from you as soon as i have spoken and the video has picked it up it will happen for you 45 seconds later amen though it's happening to you 45 seconds later the truth is happened 45 minutes before you are experiencing it 45 seconds later it's the same thing when god said it already happened we are experiencing it now we experience it in now so that's the reality which you are talking about so the fact is that in the ordinance of baptism we are buried with christ we died with christ we buried and we raised so when we were raised we became part of the body there are two things which you need to realize um, it's not there but i will explain to you there are two baptisms primary for every believer <coughs> one is a baptism in the water and the other is a baptism in the spirit in the baptism in water though it is it is like john who is baptizing jesus it is the pastor who is baptizing you in the spiritual realm that's not what is happening the spirit of god baptizes you into the body of christ in the spirit baptism jesus baptizes you into the holy spirit mm. so it cannot be the same they are different can occur simultaneously the baptizers are different mm. completely different jesus baptizes you into the holy spirit and the holy spirit baptizes you into into jesus okay the spirit of god because that's what when happens when you are born again we become the body of christ so here the same thing is also then connected with with the communion mm. in the communion what happens what you do is that uh, where does it say one bo- one um, one body many parts so first corinthians 11 and uh, that's what the loaf actually means we are one uh, yeah 13 uh, 12 okay uh, first corinthians chapter 12 yeah first corinthians chapter 11 got it it will be in chapter 11 because 11 is about uh, sorry 12 12 12 it will be about yeah 12 for as the body is one and has many members but all the members of that one body being many are one body so also is Christ okay now um, let's say Samir is sitting here when Samir came from his home or from outside inside or any one of you sitting here what brought Samir into this place are his legs but nobody says two legs are coming <laughs> nobody says two legs are coming okay or they say oh, one ear is coming two eyes are coming nobody says that this is identify the whole body as one person and say okay uh, uh samir goes back reni is not going to ask whose ear is this she's not going to ask okay it is the whole person is 
Okay? One body. Now, that is where we need to realize, okay? We are one body. And the name of that entire body is Jesus Christ. So, we are baptized either in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or we are baptized in Jesus Christ. Both are the same. Because in the material, physical realm, the Trinity has only one name by which we can know him. It's in the name of Jesus. Okay, we have only only one name. So that's why we are one body, many parts. So baptism also need to understand the, the reality of baptism. Okay, now it functionally works in your local church. In your local church, okay? In your local church, you realize we are one body, we are one family, and there is a head. That's how God has put it over there. He's put a pastor, he's put a head over there, and he's put elders over there, and he's put the congregation over there. And that's how the kingdom also, God also works. Jesus is the head, okay? Jesus is the head. And then we have the body. And in the body, there are many parts. Some parts are more important than the other parts. You need to understand, okay? Because like, you know... uh let us say, I don't want to mention names because that would be, would it? let us say, uh, one brother is gone for two weeks or three weeks, okay? And we say, Peter went for three weeks. Now, Peter goes for three weeks, we feel it, mm-hmm. okay? It's simply because, not that Peter is more special than the other brother, but the function he has in the body of Christ, okay? I can live with one without one hand, but I would find it more difficult to live without one lung. Okay, though you can live without one lung, I would find it very difficult. It automatically, okay, though hand is as important as the lung. The lung is more important because I do things with the hand, but I breathe with my lungs. And then certain things like you know, I can live without both my eyes, but I cannot live without my heart. Without my heart. Okay, so that's what we need to realize about it. Let us say, Herod killed James. After that, he had taken out Peter. And after that, he had taken out John. Suddenly, there's a huge gap in the body of Christ because three people who saw the transfiguration, their testimony is gone. Testimony is gone. Though the apostles are there, the body of Christ are over there. So we need to understand Okay, we are one body and the Bible says about some of the, some of the parts of the body which we don't see at all are more important than the parts of the body that is seen. But God has distributed them. Eternity is a different thing altogether. Eternity is altogether. So we need to understand the body in terms of baptism. In terms of the baptism, that we are one body and we function as a body, we don't. That is the whole thing. The the and God has put it that way on earth. Our entire growth, our entire growth, and from receiving our rewards in eternity is how we grow in the body. How we and function in the body. You cannot function isolated. That's not allowed in the body of Christ. A lot of people want to be like heroes in a movie, work, beating down everybody all alone. They're always alone. They're all. In the kingdom, it doesn't work like that. We are one body. So what happens is, in the body, we have to be very, very careful that we are not governed by anger. We are not governed by envy. We are not governed by jealousy. So all these things have to be dealt with in the body because you know what? Like in the physical body, 
Okay, if you if I have a wound on my right hand, it affects the efficiency of the rest of my body. Like one of our kids has a broken hand, so it immediately uh, um, affects the efficiency of her whole body, her work. Okay, like all of you work on laptops and all. If you injure your right hand or this thing, it immediately affects your work. So in the same way, because the body of Christ is spiritual. Though we are physical entity, the body is spiritual. We have to be very careful about spiritual things. Mm. Material things, physical things we can touch. Let me ask you, um, can you touch uh, Samir's anger? No, you cannot touch it. If he is jealous, can you touch his jealousy? No. You cannot touch this jealousy. Okay? So those things are there inside us, but these are the things that pollute the body. body of Christ, yes. It's the things that pollute the body of Christ. Okay? If you look in terms of a little church, little church, a family is a miniature of a little church. Okay? Family is a miniature church. Okay? There you see Adam as the priest. Okay? And Eve as an elder, the deacon or the helpmate. As a deacon, okay? And you have two congregation members, two sheep, that is Cain and Abel, okay? And you will see immediately over there, one young man called Cain, because his his work was not accepted, is now mad at his brother. Mad at his brother. Now what is happening is that he's disturbing the union of that church. Look at Adam's family as the first church. He's disturbing the union of that church. It's a very physical example. What he does is that he goes out and kills his brother. Now what happens in a typical body of Christ is that they don't go out and get a knife and kill a brother. Sometimes it happens in America, but does not happen so much in India. What they do is that they slander a brother. They slander a sister. Or they gossip about a brother or something. You know what? You have sinned against the body. You have put in your poison into the system. Because it is not physical, you do not see it. But because it is spiritual, the effects are more damaging. More da- Like Abel killed, uh, A- Cain killed Abel, things still happen. These are all spiritual things. That's why I'm saying if you go to the question, when you are partaking of communion, recognize, the Bible says, okay, where it says, discern the body. Discern the body. Everything is told, if you go to that portion I had mentioned about uh, two, three Sundays back, if you go to Ephesians chapter 4, okay, because you have to read it only in terms of the body, otherwise we will not understand. Ephesians chapter uh, 4 and verse 25 onwards, okay? Therefore putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. Why? For we members of one another. Let me ask you this question. Will my right hand lie to my left hand? Mm-hmm. No, it will not. It will not. It will not. Okay? Okay? The right hand will tell the left hand, oh my gosh, whole day I've been carrying the bag. I'm not carrying. Why don't you carry? It doesn't say. It doesn't say. It doesn't say. So you have to realize. That's why. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of one body. We have to understand that fact. We are members of one body. So if I lie to Pastor Vijay, I am hurting myself. 
and I'm hurting him and I'm hurting everybody. I'm hurting because we are one body. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down to your wrath. Why? Because if I am angry and I sin, I'm hurting myself. I'm hurting. Okay. Now, let us, let us use this illustration. I cannot hit my head without hurting myself. Right? But I can say, but, but it's your hand that hit your head. Why are you upset? But my hand and head are part of the same body. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the way you have to realize how it works in the church. How it works in the church. We are one body. If you're angry and you sin, then go quickly make amends. Why? Otherwise, you are giving the devil a place. The devil realize in this unity, the unity. If you, again, I'll show you. If you, um, Ephesians four itself. Okay, it's very important why it talks about it. Okay. Uh, chapter uh, uh, 4, verse 1 onwards. 1 onwards, okay? We'll read till verse 6. Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Now look at verse 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. Verse 5. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. There's only one. All, all, all. All, all. All one. So the Bible says over there, you know what? Make Every effort to keep, verse 3, keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort. Okay? Now that should be true about me as an individual. It should be true about in a family and in the church because all is one. I am one person. I am one person. Okay? Like I said, the simple example, like we say, you kick your feet against a rock, you hurt your big toe. Immediately the peace in the body is gone. Then the entire body is recalibrating itself to handle that toe. Now the attention of the whole body is in the toe because how do you walk? Your entire walk changes. Your whole body is reacting in such a way not to put pressure on that toe. On that toe. Okay? Because the toe has been hurt. Okay, now what is happening? That toe is determining the entire movement of the body. That is where the Bible is talking about. We are one body who have actually got saved and have been baptized and a part of a local body is part of that church. And there one has to be very, very careful. Very careful. Very careful. So going back to Ephesians, that earlier one we say, no, no, the, the, the previous one about that, you know, speak the truth, to be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun, yeah, sun go down on your anger. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, yeah, that's fine. And go further down. Yeah, further down. 28. Okay. 28. Let him who stole steal no longer. But why? Because, okay, earlier you were in the world, you stole. Okay, now you come in and continue that same pattern. You are sinning against the body. Yep. 
sinning against the body. Let me tell you this, how it works, how it works. Okay, let this, okay. Okay, Samir, sorry Samir, okay. <laughs> you are sitting here, right at to use us, okay. Let us say, Samir goes, robs a bank and comes. Let me tell you, will it not affect his wife and children? Yes. And the cops catch him. His wife and his children are the ones who will suffer because he will be in jail and they will suffer. He cannot do that without affecting them. Okay? Now imagine a thief got saved and came into the church and he got baptized. Or let's say he's part of the church. But he doesn't understand the unity of the body. So he's still stealing. Paul is saying, you better be careful. When you steal, it affects the whole body. In the spiritual realm. Okay, I will give you the best example in the Bible. <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, Joshua chapter 7 and verse 1 onwards. A simple picture because you see, this is in, by the time, see, this is fundamentally how it happens, okay? In, before Joshua begins, we have Exodus onwards, Israel comes out of Egypt, they come, they are saved under the blood, they are going through all these things, but they do not become one body. Hmm. They do not become one body. They are one body in rebellion. <laughs> okay. they, they are not one body. But the second generation is one body, one man under Joshua. That's the only thing they asked Joshua. As Moses, God was with Moses, so Moses was with God. We only ask you. Okay, you look at that. This is what ultimately what Ephesians 4 is talking about. We all grow to the fullness of the head that this is Jesus Christ. If you turn with the book of Joshua and chapter 1. Okay, this is what they actually say. It's a, it's a spiritual picture of what they actually achieved. Okay. Joshua 1. Joshua chapter 1 and verse 16. To 18. So they answered Joshua saying, who is this? The children of Israel. All that you command us, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we heeded Moses and all the things, so we will heed you. Remember, the fathers did not heed, but they listened to Joshua, uh, Moses. Only the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Now, verse 8. Who are rebels against your command and does not heed your words, in all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and be of good courage. What a statement. Okay. And that's exactly what the Bible says in the New Covenant. Okay, After one, two, three warnings, if people don't listen, put them out of the body, disfellowship them. Why? Because they are primarily breaking the unity of the body. Unity of the body. Because after that, it will spread like cancer. It spread like cancer. That's the reason God took Korah, Datan and Abiram. He took them right. Because they were the leaders. With 250 leaders, he said, you know what? If I don't deal with them in a very, very special way, gangrene will set in. So you know what he happened? He opened up the earth and swallowed them up straight. Because he has to keep the unity of the body. So we need to understand how important it is the unity of the body. If you, if you, if you had a wound in your body, it was not treated and gangrene sets in. What do you think the physician says? Amputation. He says, you want to look? Or you want me to cut off your leg? You choose. If you want your leg, you die. If you want to live, we cut your leg off. Cut your leg off. Okay? And this is tough. It's not a simple thing. It's a tough. And God sees that in the first body of Christ. And he takes Ananas and Safira out. He took them out. He took them out. Because at that time, of course, it is very, very 
powerful immediately. He took them out. You will see when the tabernacle begins, Aaron's two sons are taken out by God. Two taken out there, two taken out here. But now what has happened is God, because that was like the Holy Spirit is starting the church through the apostles he asks, now he does through the eldership in a family, the father, or the eldership of the church. It does it. So what does the father do in the case of Luke 15? He allows the prodigal to leave. Gives him his money and let him go because if he stays, stays, he will mess up the home. The unity of the home will be broken. The unity of the home will be broken. So the same way you will realize is the unity of the body is very, very important. And one place where God has kept it so that we walk in that unity of the body is the communion table. Communion table. Now you go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 42. Yeah? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in bread. This is the order. Okay? Unity cannot come without teaching. You cannot have unity without teaching. Because it's a teaching which everybody receives together. I said one of the fundamental issues of the 21st century church, including our church, is the practice that everybody is not receiving the same teaching. Because what has happened, one way, internet has come. Internet is not a bad thing. Internet is a good thing. But the issue is here. The church in Rome received the teaching from the pastor of the church in Rome. Some other visiting pastor did not come there. If it was came, it would be, if it somebody came, it was the apostles who were on a journey. Okay? When Paul says in, uh, to the Ephesian church, his goodbye, he says, three years, day and night, I taught him. But he said, after I am gone, wolves will come from, from outside. He didn't say that. And from inside, from he said, from inside, from within, he'll say, because nobody's going to come from outside. Mm. Nobody's going to come from outside. Okay, you know, but today, wolves come from outside, not from inside. Why? Because you are listening to people which you do not know. There are unauthorized voices, unsolicited voices. I tell people, okay, like if somebody sends you a prophecy, you need to ask, one, who are you? Who are you? Second, I didn't ask you. I will not let you speak into my life. I will not let you speak into my life. I didn't ask you. I did not ask you. If you go to, if you go to a prophet or a pastor or somebody or you go to a church and you receive a word, it's a different, you went there. Somebody sends you a word. I just delete it off. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Because one, you are an unauthorized voice. Who authorized you? Who authorized you? You have to see these fundamental things because this is how the unity of the body is broken. There are authorized voices and then there are legit voices. Like when we speak to Grace Tabernacle Hyderabad or other Grace Tabernacles here, we are authorized voices for them. Authorized voices for them. And then when we, when I say, uh, I listen to Derek Prince, you heard, okay, that's a legit voice in my life because pastor listens. Okay, pastor listens. Okay, even today, this till even just before half an hour before the Q and A began, I had a brother calling up and saying for his son, this book my son wants to read. Is it a okay voice for him to listen to? 
Why? You're protecting yourself because books and these are all voices. Why? How does deception, how does faith come? Exactly. Faith comes from hearing. How does deception but come? It comes, or comes by hearing. Without yes. hearing, deception cannot come. People who do not hear cannot be deceived. People who do not hear cannot be saved. So you have the Lord's table over there where you judge. Where you judge. But before you can judge, before all this thing can happen, it begins with doctrine. The apostles' doctrine doctrine. So, in now as the churches grow and churches happen, you are part of a church. And in that church, the first thing you should always check in the church is not worship. It's not prayers. It's not miracles. It's not signs. It is not wonders. The first thing you have to check is doctrine. First thing that you have to check is doctrine. A miracle can happen and you can die afterwards and go to hell after receiving a miracle. You can worship nicely, sing all the way to hell. You can pray all the way to hell and pray from hell too. Please, I am thirsty. Can you give me a drop of water? Your doctrine is important. Your doctrine will impact your worship. Your doctrine will impact your prayer. Your doctrine will impact your entire life. So the first thing put over there is doctrine. It's doctrine. Because that is how unity comes. So as a church, first and foremost, every member of the church has to see is that I'm there on a Sunday. And if I'm not there on a Sunday, I will always listen to the Sunday message because that is the main message. You have many messages through the week, but the main message is the Sunday message. I will listen to it because that's when my shepherds or God or ordained shepherds speak to me. I have to listen because my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. There is Jesus. All those who people who come and says there is only one shepherd. You don't have to listen to and all that. Okay, if you belong to the Catholic Church, listen to that. They don't preach anyway. But if you are listening, if you are in a church where the Word of God is given and the Word of God is systematically taught, let me ask you this question: The church in Rome, the church in Corinth. The church in Ephesus, the church in Colossia, all these churches, if they did not listen to Paul, they would fall apart. They can't say, oh no, now that we are saved, we will only listen to our shepherd in heaven. And he would turn around and say, he's not going to speak to you until you have to learn to listen to his voice through me. First learn submission. First learn submission. Otherwise we'll be all autonomous electrons floating around listening to nobody. God says, that's not I and the work. He says, do you know about my son? Do you know about my son? Do you know who my son was? He was the word. He was in the beginning. He was the word. He was God. But when he had to step into ministry, I said, I told him, go through the hands of John. Come under his hands. John said, wouldn't you, shouldn't you, shouldn't you be baptizing me? And Jesus said, no, it's the other way around. Let righteousness be fulfilled because there is always a laying of hands. It's a laying of hands. It's a laying of hands. So doctrine. These things are important because these are the things that bring unity. Things, things, unity. Let me tell you. Let us say, let us say there are two brothers. Okay, again, only examples. Okay, there are your two, all good, nice kids. Let us say Samir is here and the Roshan is here. Okay. Samir knows his Bible. Roshan doesn't hardly know his Bible. Roshan also comes to church. Samir also comes to church. Roshan will never oppose the pastors. Samir will always oppose the pastors. 
Now let me ask you, who is adding to the unity and who is adding to the disunity? Okay? You need to realize that is how it happens. Knowledge, true knowledge should bring more submission. submission. Yes. More submission. Otherwise it is not knowledge. knowledge. Because you understand the ramifications of your actions to the body. So, when we had another question, today again, I don't know where that question is over there, and I remember, you, it's not that you cannot leave a church. When I left my first church, God told me very clearly, one, you will leave quietly. Two, you will never speak against your pastor. And I have never spoken against him. Never. On the other hand, after that, years later and years later and years later, every opportunity I have got, when I was in the church and after the Lord, I have only tried to bless him. Though I was not a part of his church. Never. Never try to harm him. Because you know what? You understand. You need to move on with God. It doesn't matter what others do to you. You have to be careful what you do to others. You don't break the unity of the body. Because you know what? Jesus sees the body has one. Has one. So there is baptism. And there is communion. And when you come to the communion, the Bible says that's what Paul is saying in, okay? And after that, we will come to that uh, 42, okay? First Corinthians chapter 11, okay? 11, okay? Uh, verse uh, 27, okay? Verse 27. Onwards. Okay. 27 on. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Here, what is the Lord's body? It is the Church, okay? If you read the context, he's talking to the Corinthian church. He said, you have made the communion table a party table. You're all drinking and eating. He says, don't you have your own houses to go and do this? He's talking, he says, look at your behavior. He says, look at how you are behaving. Look at what is happening in the church. That's what he's talking. Not discerning the Lord. So the table has been kept there so that we can judge. Now you go to Acts chapter 11, uh, sorry, 2 and verse 42. Okay. They continued steadfast. So first thing that happens is doctrine. Okay, happens is doctrine. And as you understand doctrine, and as you grow in doctrine, what happens? It starts affecting your fellowship. It starts affecting your fellowship. You, who used to lie, not longer lie. Mm. Why? It's a doctrine. Thou shalt not lie to your brother. Because you are one body. Don't lie to your brother. You are very careful too. You who used to be angry, you do not, you do not, uh, uh, let me ask you this question. Uh, do you, do you chop wood and shave your face the same way? Why not? Why don't you chop your, shave your face just like you chop wood? Like that, because you know you will hurt your own face. Right? Hurt. So now you are very careful of getting angry, because you know if you get angry, you hurt your own body. Hurt your own body. For husbands. Why issues? And not fighting. 
Ephesians. Oh, it's all in Ephesians, yes. Ephesians, uh, chapter 5. Hmm? Who loves his life, loves his own self. Hmm. Cherishes his Verse 25 onwards. Acts, uh, Ephesians 5, 25 onwards. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present hers to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy without blemish. 28. So, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. No one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. Basically what he is saying is that, if you're good to your wife, it is good for you. Exactly. If you encourage your wife, she will do well. If you discourage your wife, she will do badly. Ultimately, it affects you. It affects you. It affects you. He says, that's what you have to do. That's what you have to do. And the wife also has to see the same thing. If I honor my husband, it is good for me. If I dishonor my husband, it is bad for me because we are one body. It's as simple as that. It's very simple as that. If both of them understood, if they, instead of looking at each other as two different entities, they saw it as one entity and realized is that, you know, it is. One entity means we are not conjoined twins. Don't think like that. But that is, that is very, very silly. That's a very romantic, foolish, worldly notion about, about, uh, this oneness. Okay, like this, uh, oneness doctrine, Pentecostals are there. For, for them, the Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father is all one. They are not three beings. Oneness Pentecostals are there. Now, some people have taken that into their family also. That way, neither will you grow, nor will your husband grow. Telling you honestly, you will never grow, your husband will not grow. If you are a man like that, your wife will not grow. If you are a wife like that, your husband will not grow. You know what? That is not liberty, that is bondage. Mm. That is bondage. That is bondage. You have to nourish and cherish, allow her to grow. But she realized, my growth should never affect him. And my growth should never forget, let me forget, he's always the head. And that will never change. She's always the head. And he should never forget, she's always part of me. She's part of my body. Once, see, if things work out in house, we don't have to teach many things in the church. The church will automatically work. You teach in the church, you practice it at home. And you practice it as a church. And you know what? Doctrine affects fellowship. Positively or negatively. It will affect. And then come over, go back. Acts chapter 2. Okay? In fellowship, in fellowship, lots of things. You have issues with daddy, uh, husband and wife. You have issues with pair, children and parents. It will happen. It's normal. It is normal. Okay? But when that happens, God has put a third thing over there, which is the table. Yes. The breaking of bread. Okay? Breaking of bread. And what happens to the breaking of bread? You judge yourself. You judge yourself. I'm sorry. I did wrong. Lord, I did wrong. I did wrong. You make, you make peace. And then you partake of it after judging yourself. I've said this before. Again, I'm telling you. The communion table, okay? If you look in scripture with Jesus Christ, it was always called the Lord's Supper. Mm -hmm. 
It is always called the Lord's Supper. It is not called the Lord's Breakfast or Lunch. It is always called the Lord's Supper. So even if you take on a Sunday morning service, it is still supper. Amen. <laughs> it is not breakfast. Why? It has a symbolic value and meaning. Because supper is the only meal the family eats together. Breakfast, there is no time. Rush off to work, everything. From ancient time onward, eat, rush, go. Lunch, you eat at your workplace. Old days, they ate at the field or wherever. They took it and they ate. Supper was the time the family got together. So it is called Lord's Supper. Supper was the time fellowship took place. Supper is the time you know whether fellowship is happening or fellowship is broken. Listen carefully. Fellowship takes place or fellowship is broken at the supper. It is at the supper table Judas betrayed Jesus and walked away. That's from where he walked away. He broke fellowship and he walked away. Understand? That's where he walked away from. Fellowship is broken. One of you, he says, the one, and Jesus gave it to him. Knowingly, he took it because he had not judged himself. Understand what happens at the Lord's table. Judas, without judging himself, he had already planned and plotted, decided to betray Jesus. He did not repent. He did not make peace with his Savior. He took it. He ate it. The devil got in. He went out. And that is his end. So the first picture of the Lord's table, the Lord's own personal table, Lord's table. It's a very powerful lesson to all of us because we are one body. One body. Okay, one body. And we have to understand that is how it works. That is how it works. Mm. In a home, in a home, okay, in a home, you have to work it out like that. In a home, I'll always say a home, a Christian home is a small church where the, the father is the pastor. Father is the pastor, the mother is the deacon, and the children are the sheep. Are the sheep. And that is how it takes place. You bring that into the church. You have a pastor, or you have multiple pastors. You have because the number of children are more. If you have only ten people church, you need only one pastor. But as the number increases, number increases, you have to have more shepherds to take care of the children. But if you look, if you look at ourselves, if you look at us for 14 years, there will be one thing you will realize. There's always been unity between the two of us. You will never see disunity between the two of us. We had had so many issues in the church of politics and all kind of things. You know, it never really, really affected the unity of the church. You know why? Because the shepherds were united. They tried everything to divide the shepherds. It did not happen. It never worked. On the other hand, the shepherds had been divided. The church would have split. The church would have split. church would have split. You know why the prodigal son is able to go and uh, the house doesn't break? Because the father and mother are one. Father and mother are one. Where the father and mother are not one, the fam home breaks. So don't worry so much about your children. Be focused more upon your relationship as husband and wife that you put across one face. We are of one mind. One mind. One mind. Okay? That ultimately the decision is made by the man. He is the head. Though the entire decision, the whole idea may be come from the wife. 
it is presented to by the man. That's how it should be presented. I will tell you. I will tell you, show you this from scripture. It is Sarah. Go there. Genesis chapter 27? Yes. 25? 25, 25. 20, uh, what, 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 uh, Hagar going. 21. Uh, no, not 25, 25, 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 25. 21. 21. Okay, 21. Yes. Okay. Um, 21. Okay. Um, 21. Okay. Uh, go to, go, go, uh, from verse 9. 21. Go from verse 9. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. There is a conflict in the home. The wife says, this, guy, this, this boy and his mother needs to go. And Abraham is upset. God said to Abraham, do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of your bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice. In Isaac your seed shall be called. So what God is saying, you know what, in this case your wife's opinion is is right. So where does it start with? It starts with Sarah. Sarah is the one who brings, let us say, this suggestion or this demand. And God says her demand is right. Now go further down to verse 14. So Abraham, 14, 14, 14, 14. 14. 14. Yeah. Abraham rose early in the morning, took bread and a skin of water, putting it on her shoulder, he gave it and the boy to Hagar and sent her away. So who executes it? Abraham, Abraham. Who, who, from, as the world sees it, who took the decision? Abraham took the decision. Abraham took the decision. Doesn't look like it started with Sarah. Though it's, it is Sarah's decision. It's Abraham who presents it to the world. So there is no disunity in the family when the world sees it. It's Abraham who sends Hagar, not Sarah. That is how a house presents unity. That is the unity of the house. Some cases it may be my wife. Who may have told, and I realize, yeah, that's a good one, okay. But I present it. Yes. I present it. Because there is order. You see, monkey bath or any bath of Prime Minister Modi or all these things which Prime Minister Modi or Biden or any one of these people do. Do you think they are making those plans? No. no. Others are doing it. But they present it. When they present it, it comes across as theirs. Theirs. Okay. These are fundamental principles. So you understand that you will realize how important baptism is because in baptism you die to yourself and you rise up in Christ and our ultimate aim is Christ. He is the head. So there will be this unity in the body of Christ. All baptized people, the head should be glorified. In communion, there is constantly a judgment that takes place. Okay, you judged against the blood of Jesus Christ and the body of Christ, which is the church. And if you go over there to Acts chapter 2, verse 42, unity should increase as doctrine increases. Amen. Unity is increasing. Why? Doctrine is increasing. Fellowship is genuine and in-depth. Sometimes what is happening in homes, I'm telling you, in homes, Lord of homes, Okay, a lot of homes. Uh, fellowship is not increasing because doctrine is not f- increasing. A lot of people, okay, see, a lot of people in the world, like my wife and I were uh, talking this morning or yesterday we were talking. So I, I was telling her, you go to a Hindu home, you will see they're very happy. They're very happy. You know why? Because they only class one doctrine they have. Give them class six doctrine. There will be rift in their family. 
because they have not grown to their doctrine. What is the doctrine? World. Husband is in the world, wife is in the world, house is happy. Our fellowship is not that. Our fellowship is in the Lord. And if two people are not able to agree, they cannot walk together. Amos 3.3 is very, very clear, whether it's a family or a church. It's absolutely clear. Individual with God, husband and wife with another, or has a church, unless two agree, can they walk together? Can two walk together unless they are agreed? Agreed on what? Doctrine. Agree on doctrine. As you agree on doctrine, you know what happens? Fellowship goes deeper and deeper and deeper. Sometimes fellowship in a home or in a church is very superficial. People are happy. But you are not edifying each other. There's no edification. You're entertaining each other. Of course, we laugh and have a good time. And it's a, it's a good person. Got that person. And which is true. I told you, most people in the church are good people, but they're not pleasing people. To please God, you need faith. Only one thing was told. You go to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and 5, where the pleasing of God comes. Okay? Hebrews, sorry, 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 sorry. Hebrews 11, 11 4, 4 and 5. Not 4. 11, 4 and 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found. Because God had taken him. Before he was taken, he had this testimony. Not he just had, he had testimony. He had this testimony. What was his testimony specific? He pleased God. He pleased God. It is impossible to please God without faith. Okay? Now you go to Genesis chapter 5 and uh, 42 and 44. 542 and 44. Oh, no, Genesis 5. Yeah, sorry. Oh, sorry. 20, 20, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, 22, that he pleased God. What was that about Enoch that pleased God? His walk. In NIV, it's very interesting. Just put it in NIV, verse 24. It's very interesting. Something he's added. NIV. Enter it. Oh, it says, uh, one of the NIV says, Enoch walked with God faithfully. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. That's not in the British one. This yes. must be. Enoch walked with God. Okay, you know, walk to God. That was the testimony. How can they walk together? Because he agreed with God. Okay, unlike in a husband and a wife, uh, because both are mortal beings, fallible beings, they have to listen to each other, and sometimes God will tell you, listen to your wife, she's right, you are wrong. He will, the wife will be told, you are wrong, he's, okay? But headship is there, okay? But with God, when you walk, you have to listen to him all the, all time, the time because he's always right. Absolutely. Simply because who he is, not because of his position, <laughs> because of who he yes. is. Because sometimes men assume the position of God because who I am, I am always right. No. <laughs> you have a position, but you can also be always wrong. wrong. <laughs> because you do not have the knowledge of God. Okay? You don't have the knowledge and the wisdom of God. So we have to be careful about this. So when you walk with God, you are actually agreeing with God. 
agreeing with God. And you agree, agree, and God is talking. You are agreeing. Ah, okay, I agree, I change. I agree, I change. I agree, I change. I agree. 300 years. By the end of 300 years, there was nothing left in this mortal man left to agree with God for life on earth. And God said, you know what? Come home with me. You can't live here anymore. There's nobody you can fellowship with now. The only person you can fellowship with now is me. Okay, nobody will be able to fellowship with you anymore. So you come with me. That is rapture. That is how a church is prepared for rapture. How does the church prepare for rapture? Now go to Ephesians, uh, Ephesians five and verse twenty-six. The ministry of, of the, the word. word. Yes. Ephesians five. Yes. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with a washing of water by word twenty-five, twenty-six. Okay, yeah, twenty-seven. That he might present her to present her to whom? Himself. To himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy without blemish. Meaning, where there is no submission and meekness and the ministry of the word. Submission and meekness is first an attitude of the heart. Otherwise, you will not receive doctrine. Forget it. It's a meekness of the heart you receive the engrafted word. So there is submission and there is meekness. That is an attitude. If if like in a home, if the wife has a stinking attitude, even if the husband is speaking the very oracle of God, she will not receive it. Yes. On the other hand, she has a meek and a submissive heart. Even if the husband is speaking wrong, she will be able to tell, honey, you know what? I think you are wrong. Mm. I think you are wrong. Attitude which matters, yes. Attitude first matters. Attitude matters. And then the ministry of the word takes place. If you look at over there, he is trying to get this glorious church ready. Glorious church ready. Okay? Now, if you... Can we come back to this? This is a long answer. But we are coming to the end of days. Mm. We are coming to that day when he will come in the twinkling of an eye and the church will be gone. Turn with me to, I want you to keep verse 27, okay? But let's go to Malachi. And you will understand how consistent the word of God is. Malachi chapter 3. Okay? Uh, Verse 2. Okay, Who can endure the day of his coming? This is the spirit of God of Christ coming in. Who can appear, stand when he appears? Two comparisons. What is he? He is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Two things. Refiner's fire and launderer's soap. Now go to verse 27. Ephesians 27. 527. He might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot. Now let me tell you, uh, yesterday, one of my white shirts which I was wearing, I don't know, when I had lunch, something spilled. What is the first thing that you do? Immediately you rinse it and put soap and this thing. It's a launder soap. For what? For take the? But what does the ironing man do? He uses soap or fire? He uses fire. For what? To take the wrinkle out. That's exactly what God does. He will cleanse us and he will put through the fire to clean us out and straighten us out so that she should be holy without blemish, a church that is rapture ready. Hmm. That is what doctrine does. That is what fellowship does. That is what judgment does. You need these three. You need these three continuously to be ready. Continuously be ready. Continuously be ready. You need the the water of the word. You need the water of fellowship. Both are water. If there is no communication, there is no fellowship. If there is no preaching, there is no doctrine. Both are words. 
Both are words. If you look at doctrine, what is that? Words. If you look at fellowship, primarily words. Both are important. So you take a stone and it falls off the mountain and falls into the river. There is something that happens. The water is for overflowing over it. And the rocks are rubbing against one another. Over a period of time, you have a very smooth pebble. There were two factors operating on it. One is the water. Other is the 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 two friction of the two stones or others to make multiple stones rolling and moving over. David takes five of it and he's able to defeat the enemies of God. That is exactly what happens. There are people who have doctrine, no fellowship. They will not become smooth. There are people who have who have fellowship, they don't have doctrine. They will not become smooth. God cannot use them. God cannot use them. Honestly, God cannot use them. So you need to have doctrine. You need to have genuine doctrinal fellowship. And you have to be constantly judging. You become in God's hand a mighty weapon. Now go there and you see in the fourth thing that is put over there is prayers. Why is prayer put the fourth? Because when you have genuine doctrine, genuine fellowship, and genuine judging, prayers are Burst in power, in unity. Mm. If two of you agree on earth, mm. it shall be done in heaven. It is not that we don't pray, but nothing happens in heaven because there is no unity. There are words without unity. Mm-hmm. And that's why the devil knows the prayers of the church are the most dangerous. So what does he do? He brings discipline. He cannot stop a church from praying because every church has prayers. That's part of the religious system. But he knows what he can do is bring disunity. He brings disunity between a husband and wife and they have family devotion. Nothing happens. He brings disunity in the church. The church prays. Nothing happens. Why? Because he has taken that unity factor out. The power of prayer comes from unity. There was a man. Elijah was a man of like passions. He prayed. It didn't rain for three and a half years. He prayed. It prayed. It rained after. Why? Because he was one man who was united with God. His first statement before man is, I am the man who stands before God speaking to you. United one with God. Therefore, out of that unity, power is flowing. Now you read the subsequent verses. Read from 43 onwards. What happens in the church because of that unity that is... No, no. Acts chapter 2, verse 43, 42, 43 onwards. Yeah. You will see what happens in a church or a home or a home. Okay. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They did not need anybody from outside to come and minister to them because God was working within them because there was unity in the church and they were absolutely under the leadership. The leadership and the church was one body and God was working. And look at verse 44. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They became one body. They started carrying each other's burdens. They became one body. This is the format. And you know what God has put over there? He's put two institutions to make this happen. First institution is baptize. Die to your old stinking selfish self. It is no longer about you. It is about the head and the body. Christ's glory, body's unity. Stop thinking about you. Me, my, myself. That was how you lived in the world. That's over. That is done. Now, when you come out, you will ask, I love my God. I love my neighbor. It's not about you. It's about the other. 
That is the first reality of baptism. Second, he has put the communion table over there because the old man is still there. He will still try to be me, my, myself. So when that happens, make peace and judge yourself. And God says, power will flow. You cannot, that's why he put only these two in this, no other institution. If you have this thing very powerfully, even in your own home, the power of God will flow. Flow. That's why I always say, Husband and wife can hold two jobs, but they can have only one career. Yes. Hallelujah. Can Can have two jobs, only one career. The career is the kingdom (laughs) of God. Career is the kingdom of God, not the world. Yes, yes, yes. Your career is the kingdom of God. It doesn't matter what job you hold. Absolutely does not matter. I am focused on the kingdom of God. What do I work? I work in the railways, I work in HSBC, HSBC, or I work in a government. It does not matter. My career is very clear. So when you go out to work, the man goes out to work, and the woman stays at home and takes care of the children, they have the same career. Yes. Kingdom of God. Okay? That's how it works. Otherwise, what will happen? Disunity will come. My job and your job, you need to sacrifice for my job. You need to sacrifice. I bring more. You bring less. I am sharing. All this happening is because you have two careers. You don't have one career. Two careers. Two careers. Okay? And the leading of that career is the man. It is not the woman. Career is not determined by the woman. It is determined by the man. Because God calls the man. He does not call the woman. The woman is part of the call. She is not the call. And sometimes the only part the woman has is to stay at home and take care of the home while he goes out and ministers. That's all she has to do. Secure the home so the man can be free. Mm. Without having to worry. Without having to worry. Okay, you are there. I know you. My home is safe. Pray me through. Let me go do and come. That's how it works. Get this picture very, very clear. That is how it works. It is after work has been ordained, garden has been set, work sphere has been set, Adam is put over there to do everything. Then he says, you know what? I need to make a help meet which is apt for, apt for Adam. So that everything has already been Adam specific. Eve is being created to help him through with that. It is not that now Adam has to help Eve. And the fall of sin happens that way. Autonomy comes in. That's the first statement the woman makes apart from man. She's no longer part of the man. She says, I have a personal relationship with God. I have my own ministry. If you have doubts, read Genesis chapter 4 and verse 1. And what is the first statement? uh, She keeps Adam out. She doesn't take about Talk about mad. Adam knew his wife and she conceived bore Cain and she said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Hello, the seed came from man. This was not a divine conception. But she kept the man out. Autonomy has already come in. The first feminist is Eve. Actually, Actually yes. Okay. Cain is the son of Satan. Okay. Okay. And she birthed a devil, a murderer. Okay. You need to understand this is what happens. When you tell these people, get offended. Why do your children become rebels? Why do your children become rebels? And God says, what's happening at home? What's happening? Adam, are you leading? Eve, are you the one who's leading? Adam, if you don't lead, your children will become rebels. Eve, if you lead, 
your children will become rebels. That is not how I ordained. That is not how I ordained. Men are called to lead. Men are called to lead. If you want the fundamental, the premise of this, look to Isaiah 42. 51. 51. Not 42. 52. 51 verses 1 and 2. 51 2. Sarah and Abraham. Yeah, 1 and 2. Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness. Others won't listen to him. <laughs> Honestly, that's why God said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You see, if you're seeking that, you will listen to me. If you're not seeking that, you will listen to anybody. So the first thing is, what are we seeking? You who seek the Lord, look to the rock from which you were heaven, to the hole of the pit from which you were dug. Verse 2. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah who bore you, for I called him alone. And blessed him and increased him. Yeah, what a loaded, loaded So this is where it happened. This is where it happened. People don't understand. People have a very romantic. The kingdom of God is not very romantic. It's not very romantic. Like I said, it's not subjective. It's not some subjective. It is absolutely objective. And empirical data is there for everything. When you say, I feel, don't, I don't, I don't want to hear your feelings, God says. What did I tell you? You should be able to tell you, you should be able to tell, this is why I feel so, because it is written. You know, my feelings are my servants and not my master. I'm going by what it is written and I have set my feelings like a flint towards Jerusalem. Whether you are a man or a woman or a child, you should be able to say what is written and not what you feel. What you feel, that's how it works. So the communion table is not a table of feelings. It's a table of judgment. You go to the criminal court and says, I feel today the judge is going to be merciful. You can, you can feel. He'll throw the book at you. <laughs> exactly. He'll throw the book. Law, I'm telling you, lot of people, their ideas about Jesus is romantic feelings. It has no objective truth about the word of God. That's what I was trying to tell the pastors. Who told you? Who told you? Are you rapture ready? On what do you premise your rapture? How do I premise? I'm not rapture ready. I'm telling you honestly. I'm not rapture ready. How can I say I'm rapture ready? Because there are fundamentals put over there. Can anybody sitting here say I'm without spot and without wrinkles? Okay. We are full of wrinkles. Can we say that we have actually allowed the spirit of God and the word of God to wash us clean and iron us out of all the things? Okay. No, we are not. We are not. So don't fool around with feelings. The kingdom of God is not a matter of feelings. It's a matter of faith. And faith is a matter of the word. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So that is how. That's the reason why he says, what to you who desire the day of the Lord? It yes. is not a day of uh, mm. <laughs> feelings and mm. romance. <laughs> it is a day. Tell you, listen, this, <laughs> oh, take this very because when we see these signs that are all happening, there should be a, a churning and a a little terror of the Lord coming. Amen. In. Amen. Know the we, kindness. Knowing that this is who? Paul who went on the third. Mm. I see people who said, I saw Jesus. Jesus. I don't see any terror of the Lord in them. Mm. Because John, Pete, Paul who heard things which could not be uttered because these people seem to be uttering everything God told them. Amen. Supposedly told them. Okay. <laughs> Paul did not utter what God told him. Yet he says, what told, he told me brings this terror into me because I realize how it is. Therefore I persuade, he says. 
I persuade. There is this kind side of God. And there is the other side of God. That has got to do with his righteousness. With his righteousness. Okay, and we have to have balance both. We have to balance very both. You don't walk on feelings. The communion table is not a table of feelings. And baptism has got nothing to do with feelings. It's an act of will. It's a decision you take and you say, you know what, I'm going. I'm dying. And every day after that, you have to say, Bible says in the book of Romans 6, reckon yourself dead. I died. I died. On that day, I died. That was my you see, um, when we are born in this world, when we are born in this world, we get a birth certificate. When we are born into the kingdom of God, we get a death certificate. Yep. Your baptism certificate so is your death certificate. You died to this world. On such and such a day, I was killed and buried by Pastor James and Pastor Vijay. I died, no, I died to myself and Pastor James buried me. That's your birth certificate. That's your, sorry, death certificate. And that's the power of those ordinances. These two ordinances, if you walk in, I'm telling you, without these two ordinances being practical in your daily life, you will not be rapture ready. You will not be. Because the more you understand the word of God, the more you will have to judge yourself. Yes. Yes. More you will have to judge yourself. The more you understand the word of God, more you will have to believe in your baptism. I died. I don't want to live at all. Mm. We will reach that point. Now we know theoretically, but we will practice in, in functionality or in experientially, we will reach that point where we will be able to say, there is absolutely nothing good in me. Nothing, per se. And that's Paul saying. The man who says blameless by the by the law with one side, with the other side says, but I also know there was nothing good in me. Do you know that you can be blameless by the law and be internally filthy? An abomination in the sight of God. You know, he understands that. Because by the law is outward. Everything is outward. Done everything outwardly, perfectly as the Lord demands me. Look inside, I realize there is nothing good in me. Absolutely nothing. You have to give your hats off to that man who is perfectly honest about the working of the Lord outside him and in him. Because outside I'm perfect. Inside I'm a filthy, filthy rag. And God says, that's it. So what is the way out? He says, this is the way. The new life. So get this. I'm sorry, it was a long question, no, no, but it's a very, very important powerful question. question. Important this question. Thing. These two things we get into our lives on a practical, practical level, we will be rapture ready. Pastor, we'll, we'll handle a few questions which are very pertinent. I mean, okay. subjective. Well, uh, <coughs> yeah, yeah. Subjective questions also. Uh, this is question number eleven. <coughs> it says okay. uh, something. Somebody. Something. What <coughs> had to, got to do with a dream? Uh, Pastor James, I had a dream that someone poisoned the leader of our ministry with the intent to kill him. He did not die, but became very sick. Should I inform my leader about the dream or just pray? Okay, depends upon the upon the dream. Whether in the dream you saw somebody specific from your ministry in that dream. In that case, it is good to mention the dream and not the person, because a dream is still a dream, but it can be a warning too. And if it is a warning, it is always better, better to inform, inform. 
okay, in the form. Because a dream is the intention of somebody planning to do something or what could come to happen. So sometimes God gives dreams and wants. Whether you take the warning or not is a different thing. Pilate's wife had a dream. And she sent a message to her husband, that man is innocent, don't do anything. But he had a warning not to do. And he could, Pilate could have sent him back to Herod and says, I refuse to handle this case. Instead, he washed his hands. He didn't have to do it. But I said, I'm not going to crucify him. I don't want to fulfill scripture. This kind of scripture I don't want to fulfill. I'm sending him back to Herod. Let him. He's a crook. I'm, I'm also a crook. But he's a worse crook. <laughs> Instead of they became one. It became one over this. Washing your hands in public after allowing the Son of God to be crucified is not going to wash it away. Okay, so there was a dream and there was a warning. He didn't take the warning. He didn't heed the warning. So there is a warning. And if you have a warning, and if it is without a face, you have to inform. If you have a face... Then, uh, if the pastor asks, do you know who it is? Uh, you can say, I'm, I saw, but I'm not, I'm very reluctant, because I don't know whether I'm right or not. But if he insists, I would say, leave it to his discernment. Because sometimes I'm telling you, the shepherds know their sheep better than you know each other. And he will say, okay, thank you. That was confirmation. That was confirmation. Okay. Because sometimes your dreams are just a confirmation of what some he's already been told. And you cannot hold on to the dream because it becomes a confirmation. Right? God appeared. Um, God sent the angel to speak to Cornelius, sent men to Joppa and call Simon, Peter, not Simon, the tanner, Tell him, come, he will explain to you the way of salvation. God has already spoken. Men are on the way. To confirm what he has spoken, God gives Peter a vision. Peter a vision. And in the vision has to be shown three times. And he says, no, this is what he means. And he says, to confirm what I just shown you, go outside, you will see men waiting for you who have come from there. So dreams are sometimes a confirmation of something. Okay, And if it is not, let it pass. It does not matter. That's why I said about if there is a person in that dream, uh, be a little wise about it. Because if it is not of God, you create doubt. But if there is no person in the doubt, you only make the other person careful. But I would say once again, go and pray. Because if it is not from God, it causes suspicion. Uh, suspicion because it's unnecessary. Because remember, there is a leader. You have 20 members in your ministry. You get this dream. And like Jesus made a statement, one of you will betray me. Suddenly, it's like a blue cat among the pigeons. Everyone is asking, is it me, is it me, is it me, is it me, is it me? All 12 are. Everybody is panicking. Is it me, is it me, is it me, is it me? Okay? So, he just made a statement. You know, all twelve are doubting, is it me? In the same way, you say this to your leader. And if it is not from God, suddenly there is confusion because the leader's eyes, that's, that's what I said again about, about dream. He said, we have to be very wise, like I said, I refuse to re- receive unauthorized and unsolicited voices, whether good or bad. Yeah. I don't yeah. want good, I don't yeah. want bad. Because good could be flattery. Laban. Okay, would be flat. It's like, we have to have that, what God told Laban. That's my boy. Don't say anything good. I, anything good or bad. I don't need you to minister to him. Okay, you are an illegitimate authority in his life. 
Okay, you have made use of my son for 20 years, eaten off him and prospered. Now bless him and let him, he doesn't want your blessing also, just let him go. Okay, there are lots of unauthorized and unsolicited voices in the world. That is why we get, because you know what, we receive this on TV, prophecies come, we receive it and all. We have to be very careful what we receive. Okay, even if it is a voice that is speaking to you and it is from God, the spirit inside will tell you, that is me speaking to you. That's all. Hmm. That doesn't mean after that you have to follow that man's ministry only once. Yes. There are a lot of people whose ministry I don't follow at all, but they have spoken to me one time in my life. Hmm. Left me alone. <laughs> Left me alone. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't follow their ministry or anything, but at that point of time, okay. Well, otherwise, you know what? After that, when Balaam goes back to Moab, he decides, I shall listen and follow my donkey because God used the donkey to speak to me. So he has Balaam's donkey ministries. That does not happen. Just because the donkey was used one time to speak to Balaam, he did not follow the donkey. But lots of people don't have that discernment. God uses a donkey to speak to you. After that, they're following donkeys for the rest of their life. And they become like that donkey. They become a Democrat. Democrat! (laughs) You have to use wisdom and discernment. First, find a Bible-believing church where doctrine is sound, sound doctrine, sound doctrine. And after that, stay there. Worship, pray, be part of the, test it out. We'll always say, test it out. When the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 29, yes. if I'm right, 29. Let two or three prophets speak to others' church. Mm. So you go to a church, you hear the word. The word of God is also prophetic because everything about Christ is prophetic. prophetic. When we are talking about repent, be sanctified, it is prophetic because you are preparing for something that is in the future. Okay? So, let let the others judge. That means, let us say you come to a new church, you search, there are a lot of churches, you church, you listen. If online churches are there, you listen and then you come to a church. You come to our church. Come one Sunday, two Sundays, three Sundays, judge. Hmm. Judge. Because you have the Spirit of God in you, you know, relatively some doctrine, and you realize, you know what, this is what I was looking for, looking for. You have judged. And then, over a period of time, you are faithful. Because that's the one thing leadership looks. As a pastor, the first thing I look in my church is, how many people come before time? Then only I look at the other things. The first thing I look is how many people come before time. Because that is the first step. Why is it so? Because if I have to entrust a really serious uh, responsibility into your hands, first thing I request you do it on time. Mm. You have to do it on time. If you don't do it on time, then it does not work. And we don't realize it's a very simple, practical thing. Mm. And we don't realize that is how judgment takes place. Very simple thing. Okay? Because there's something common about all of us. If you look at the parables, God gave us, you know what he gave us? One of the common things about the ten servants who were all given one minor each. Yes. Okay? What was common was that all of them, when he went 
and he came back, received the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. He didn't come two years early for one and three years later for the other. When the twinkling of an eye, when it takes place, everybody stands before judgment. So everybody was given the same amount of time. So the first thing common about all of us is we have the same time. So how you handle time and how you are punctual, how you... Time is the first way we judge. I mean personally, that's the first way I judge. I judge at that. How it is. Especially on a Sunday. Other days I see, if you are free, are you punctual? Are you there? If you are not free, I leave you alone. But if you are free, if, if I know you are free and you are doing nothing and you don't come, then you come to me for something. I don't give you the time of the day. Mm. Literally. That's a literal meaning. I won't give you the time of the day. Because people have come. Tried, even last week, trying to get an appointment from me, and I ignored them. You know why I ignored them? Because you have all the time in the world, and you're not there. You're not there. You're not there. And if you're not there, I am not there. If you don't have time for God, I don't have time for you. Mm-hmm. Because whatever I have to say is about God. <laughs> Personally, when you don't have time for God, and you want me to make time for you so that I can give you counsel from God... Hello, it does not work. It does not work. That's how it works. So the first thing is time. The second thing is talent. He has given us all a talent. The Bible says, according to our ability. So don't look at each ability. And the question is, how faithful are we with that? No. These are things. Remember, these things will, we will regret these things in eternity. If you think there is no regret in eternity, you are mistaken. Somebody will steal your crown. Mm. Okay, you will, reg- and it's an eternal regret. You're not envying anybody, you're looking at what you lost. What you lost. I'm not saying you will be unhappy there. No, nobody's unhappy over there, but regret is that I could have done much more. I mean, after every exam I have written in my life, yes. I came out with regret. Yes, absolutely. I could have done much more. Much. Yeah. If I knew these yes. questions were coming, yes. I could have really done better. Right? There is regret. If I had not, God hadn't switched my calling and my profession and my career, if I had been still in my career of teaching, I would be having regret till today. I have no regrets about my academics is because he switched my career completely where academics don't matter. But for all those who are, according to your academics in a career, there are regrets. And the same thing true in eternity. So, remember that is how it matters. Whatever happens, be be able to judge. Make judgments. Okay, so you have a dream, judge it. Judge, is it from God or not? Because dreams are there from God. Visions are there from God. Prophecies are there from God. But, you are part of the ministry, so you just let him know and say, this is what I saw. I leave it to you to make the judgment. I am not making any judgments on the day. I am just a vessel. I am just informing you. I think I should. Because of the danger of it, I am informing you. But I am not making any judgment calls on this. I leave it into your hands to make the judgment. I am not. Because it's concerning you. Mm. It is concerning you. I have to let you know. That's all. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Pastor, another, another question. Question number 12, next question. <clears throat> is all protection automatic for Christians? Is everything that happens to us allowed by God or do our actions and prayers have a part in it? Yes. Okay. Go to the book very of Job. Yeah, again, very important. Okay. 
book of job 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 chapter 1 what verse 1 chapter 1 verse 1 job chapter 1 verse 1 there was a man in the land of us whose name was job and that man was blameless and upright one who feared god and shunned evil come to verse 8 and 9 Then the Lord said to Satan, "Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil?" Okay. Now that's first is history; the other is testimony. We could say this testimony Job had. First is his historical record about this man, and now God is repeating it. So it's just not history; it's not. It is his testimony. And verse nine and ten. So Satan answered the Lord and said, "Does God?" Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him and around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. That's a. There is a. The only words that here, only words ten. Okay, only one truth about this is that there is a truth of what God has done, but there is God's part and man's part. Man's part. is what you saw in verse 1 mm. this is what he did okay this is what he did he was a man who was blameless not perfect blameless what does that mean he was a man who learned to walk before god walk before god that's genesis 17 and verse 1 and we'll come back here hmm? or before me yes genesis when abraham was 99 years old The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, "I am Almighty God. Walk before me. Walk before me." He was blameless. How do you? How do you? How do you become blameless? There's only one way. You walk before God and say, "Lord, speak to me. Show me where my walk is wrong. I will correct it." I don't know unless you show me. That's why you need a coach. Okay? The coach is jo- the coach is not primarily looking whether you're winning or not. Mm-hmm. because you are interested in winning he is looking at your faults and when you come back he will tell you this is where you went wrong this is where you next time correct it okay so you have to walk before god so that he will be able to honestly tell your deficiency so you can correct it then turn to genesis chapter 37 and then we'll come back genesis chapter 37 and verse 5 and 6 joseph had a dream He told to his brothers they hated him even more. And he said to them 6 and 7, "Please hear this dream which I have dreamt." 7. While we were binding sheaves in the field, behold my sheep sheaf arose and also stood upright. Indeed your sheaves all stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. Now go back to Job chapter 1 and verse 2. Yeah, verse one, verse one. Okay, he was blameless and he was upright. Upright. Question is, can you stay upright alone in your generation? All Joseph's brothers wear down, but he stood upright in his own generation. He was not only blameless. In comparison to his generation, we are not trying to be upright like God. We are trying to be upright in the midst in our generation. Our generation. Amen. We are never comparing ourselves with God. We are conforming to the image of Christ, not comparing. Don't even try to compare; you will get burnt. Okay, we are conforming. But in our generation, if all of them are down, will you become upright? Upright. One who feared God and shunned evil. It's the fear of God that causes us to shun evil. 
Okay, so the, and what did God do? He put a hedge around him, and then there is that verse in Ecclesiastic, no? He who breaks a hedge. The Ecclesiastic chapter ten. Ecclesiastic ten. In one second. I'll okay. Go back to the question while we are looking for that. Okay. So is all protection automatic for Christians? There is a level of automatic protection. Okay, there is a level of automatic protection. You will see Job had a level of automatic protection. Why? Because he was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. And therefore God put a hedge around him. Now if you go to Ecclesiastes 10, 8, there is another thing. He who digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by us. If you are trying to dig a pit for somebody, you will fall into it. Let's fall into it. Eh? Okay. <laughs> Second, if you break through a wall, God has put a hedge. Put a hedge. If you break through that hedge, you know what will happen? The serpent will bite. Mm. There are hedges for personal life. Mm. There are hedges for marriages. There are hedges for homes. There are hedges for workplaces. Yes, yes, there are hedges yes. for churches. Know the rules of hedges. Yes, Understand amen. what are those hedges. What are those hedges? Because if you break those hedges, it does not matter whether you break it knowingly or unknowingly. Okay. If you tread on a snake or a child runs on a snake, the snake will bite. Snake will say, papam, leave it alone. No, it will bite. It will bite. Whether you knowingly break a hedge or unknowingly break a hedge, there is a serpent waiting. There is a serpent waiting. So the laws of God are for our protection. They are not for our destruction. They are for our protection. So there is a level, what is a great level of protection for Christians. How it is? Go back. And when you have broken a hedge and you are bitten by the serpent, what do you need to do? Run to God and cry to God. You know why? Because there is somebody, somebody who has taken the poison. He will take the poison out and he will build the breach back. He is the intercessor who is standing in the gap. He will, if you cry out to God, if you go back, he will take the poison out and he will bring restoration. It may be fast, it may take time, but he will do it. He will do it. So there is a level of protection. Go back to the question. Okay. Is everything that happens to us allowed by God or do or yeah? Not all, everything that happens to us are allowed. Okay. Sometimes we bring it on ourselves. There are many rules in the kingdom of God. Okay. Some of the things that are happening is because what you sow, you reap. If you sow in the flesh, you reap correct corruption. If you sow in the spirit, you reap eternal life. So there is a sowing. And the problem with sowing is that the sowing has many, many kinds of laws. You do not reap according to what you sow. You reap much more, whether it is good or bad. That's the problem with sowing. And sowing does not work according to your time frame. You sow today, you may not receive tomorrow. You may receive it much later. Sometimes you don't even receive it. Your children receive it. Yes. Your children receive it. Okay. So there are a lot of things over there. That's why we need to understand the word of God. The more we understand this, the more we will Honor and value the sacrifice of Jesus because the only way out, the only way out is the cross. At the cross, 
all the demands of the law are met. And the blood of Jesus takes care of it and not only that, gives you a clean record, cleanses it. But in sometimes, when it is beyond you, the consequences follow. There are certain things which I can stop only with me. But I cannot stop with somebody else. Let me give you an example. Okay, It's a good example because I don't drink. But imagine I'm a young man and I drink. I become alcoholic. I'm killing myself. But imagine I'm a married man and I'm alcoholic. I'm destroying my family. Both is drinking. It's the same man who is drinking. The effect is not the same. The effect is not the same. It's, 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 it's with any vice. For the anything. Vice anything. For the almost anything. It depends. That is where we have to be careful about it. It doesn't stop with us. No man is an island. No man is an island. Mm. And not only that, uh, even if you are doing it alone, there was, especially if you are a believer, okay, if you're, let's leave the unbelievers. Even if you're doing it alone, there was something that God had, Ephesians chapter 1, 2 and verse 10. 2 and verse 10. Ephesians 2, 10. 2, 10. 2, 10. Chapter 2, yeah. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, we should walk in them. The question is, who will walk in that, if you don't walk in that? So you bring loss to the kingdom. Everybody brings loss to the kingdom. If you don't walk in the works God created for you to do. You bring loss to the kingdom. You bring to the loss to the kingdom. Of course God will bring somebody else to finish it off. But you still bring loss. Because somebody has to do twice the work. Theirs and ours. Theirs and ours. Okay. That is how it works. So we have to look at all this. There is protection. But if you break the hedge, the snake bites, and sometimes snake bites took place earlier, it is passing on to you. That's what we call iniquity. That is what we call iniquity. We understand that has genetic factors. If you have cancer in your family, then better do checkups regularly because it is some kinds of cancers are hereditary. Diabetes is hurtry. You know, a lot of things are hurtry. So you have to be, you have to be very, very careful about things because we understand medical sciences, these things can pass on. Okay, these things can pass on. Of course, in Christ, we believe, we come out of it. But in the same way, there is spiritual DNA too. Again, going back to the previous question, that is where you have to absolutely believe in your baptism. I am a new person. All things have all passed away. Cutting it off. Nothing. Simply you are saying, I mean honestly, let you know what I will tell you. If you are listening, somebody, older people listening, 2 Corinthians 5.17, older people listening, don't feel upset because I don't, I won't feel upset if my children were to say that. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ and he's a new creation, all things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are saying that. I am cutting away Everything that is from my parents, except faith. Paul doesn't say, the faith that's in your grandfather and the discipline that was in your Greek father has passed on. He doesn't say anything. Only the faith. Only the faith is counted. Rest does. It's okay. It's good. If you have a discipline, all that is good. But spiritually, what is passed down is what is important. So when you go down over there, you need to realize, you know what? I died to everything else. 
And if my parents have passed on to me something which is of faith, I receive it. I receive it. I don't want anything else. Discipline all matters. Discipline is a more scientific, technical kind of a thing. It is not... It's a different thing. It's not the same kind of spiritually. You cannot pass spiritual, uh, you cannot pass on uh, discipline from family to family. Yeah. You cannot. Every generation has it to is every generation has to discipline themselves. themselves. Okay, you have a trainer, the father who disciplines, but you have to receive it. You have to receive it. Okay, that's how it works. So, going back to the question, it's a part of it. So, what everything that is happens to us allowed by God or do our actions and prayers have a part. Prayers have a part in it, very huge part in it. What does the book of James says? Elijah was a man like us and he prayed and there was famine. He prayed, there was spring, there was rain. Right? So prayers have a lot of part. That is our active part in bringing the will of God in. Otherwise, why should Jesus say, this is how you should pray? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And Lord, that is all because automatically your will will come on to earth. I don't have to worry about No, he says, pray. 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 Thy will be done on earth. Thy kingdom come. Why? Why should I pray? Because on earth, dominion is given to man. Mm. And God, God honors his laws. He says, I give it to you. You bring it to pass. I'm there to help you. But you have to ask me. You have to ask me. You have to ask me. If you don't ask me, I won't do. He says, you do not have because you do not ask. Yes. You do not ask. We do not have. So we have to ask because that is how the kingdom of God works. And then going back to that question, if things that happen to us, okay, happen to us in the light of, okay, go to again, Peter. Now we let us look at something we consider negative. Okay. First Peter chapter 4, verse 12 onwards. Beloved, do not think strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. Fiery, painful stuff, terrible stuff. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. How, How much can you rejoice? You have to look at it very, very clearly. Will I go through this if I were not Christ? Am I going through this because of sin? What I'm going through, is it because of sin or is it because of the Son? If it is because of the Son, rejoice. If it's because of sin, repent. If it's because of Son and sin, rejoice to the extent it is of the Son. To the extent. You are partaking of Christ's sufferings. That when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Verse 14. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part he is blasphemed. But on your part he is glorified. Verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer a thief, an evildoer, or as an busy body in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him glorify God in this matter. So these two things are put over there. Okay? For time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. Okay? So two things are put over there. One, why are you, why are you going through? You have to ask yourself, is it for Christ? Rejoice. If it is not for Christ, repent. That's the context of the last part of the question. Is everything allowed by God? No. Some things we bring it out. Or do our Of course our actions have a part in it. What we sow, we reap. 
That's an action. Sowing is an action. Okay, you cannot expect a harvest without sowing. Okay, if you are expecting a harvest, you have to ask, what did you sow? What are you expecting? Where does your expectations come from? Is it genuine expectation? Doesn't fit it with reality? If it does not fit in with reality, because you have sowed nothing, you expect nothing. So our actions and our prayers have a part on it. So if it is something positive according to the word of God, expect our harvest accordingly. And the Bible says over there, that harvest may not be here. Because it's good because what can you do with this harvest if you get it here? You will have to leave it behind <laughs> when you die. You can't take it with you. It's better to receive the, let us say, Samir uh, uh, joins, uh, he goes on, uh, on a, he goes to, on a three month, his uh, company sends him to another country and they ask him, do you want your salary there or do you want a salary here? And he usually will say, give it all here. Because I'm not going to live there, mm-hmm. right? If you give me, I mean, let us say he's a very sober person, but imagine he's a spendthrift and he's got discernment also. He says, you know what? I'm going to Dubai for three months. Please just me give just me allowance for li- living. <laughs> no, they said that is their accommodation, transport, all is done, food, everything. Okay. Then just give me bare minimum, give the rest here. Mm. You know what? Otherwise I'll blow it all away. Mm. So the question is, where do you want your reward? Here or there? There. If you are smart, you will sit there because I know me, I will blow it away here. Okay, that's what happened to the prodigal son. He took and had a blast. <laughs> okay, So there are, eternal rewards are something different. But don't expect eternal rewards if you don't have temporal actions. There are a lot of people waiting for eternal rewards. But if you ask them, what are your actions? Uh, actions say, I thought everybody got a reward. Really? You don't get a reward. He was so sparingly. He was so sparingly. He also reaps sparingly. Okay. So our actions, good or bad, our actions and our prayers have a part in it. Okay. Then there is a protection. There is an automatic protection for the children of God, mm. which is by the blood. Yes. Which is by the blood. There is an automatic protection we have, which are God's children. But then there is a time like Job, God will remove the hedge. Or we can break the hedge. In Job's case, he didn't do wrong. God removed the hedge and said, let him go through it. Mm. Let him go through the fire. And he came out purer. And all that self-righteousness that was in him was identified only because he was tested. Otherwise, he would have died without knowing that and actually lost in his eternal rewards. Mm. eternal rewards. He would have lived happily with his temporal rewards, seven children and all these camels and sheep and everything, thinking, oh, I am so, I am okay, God is okay, without realizing there are certain things in him which he hasn't even realized God is not okay. You know what brought it out? The trial brought it out. God removed it and after that, he really, really, it's actually a picture, a type of man's temporal and man's eternal. The second half of Job's life in 42 is a picture of the eternal reward. The picture of the eternal reward. Okay, because Jesus, they asked, the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, we left everything to follow you. He says, in the age to come, you will have hundredfold. If any man has left his father or mother or wife or children for my sake, he says, you know what? In eternity, do you know how many fathers and mothers and children and sisters and brothers you are going to get? 
who will love you more than anybody on earth could have loved you because there is no presence of sin at all. Because they look at you and they know this is a man, this is a woman who forsook everything for Christ because your transformed body and glory will reveal who you are. And they will realize, boo, we love you. We love you. So he says, you will not miss on earth. So everything is rewarded over there. That's a picture of that. You will see how he's, he's prospers at the end double. He prospers. Yes, Pastor Vijay? Oh, sir, I think it's 8.15. Okay, we'll close. Yes, yes Pastor Vijay. So we shall pray. Pastor Vijay, would you close in prayer? Father, we just want to thank you, Father, for your <clears throat> goodness and your mercy and your kindness in our lives. Thank you, Father, for reminding us over and over again, O oh Lord, for the seriousness of the ordinances of baptism and of communion, especially this evening. We just want to thank you. These two ordinances you have given to the church so that we could prepare ourselves, O oh Lord, for the coming of the Lord. And I pray, Father, that each and every one of us will take it to heart and prepare ourselves in the light of your coming, O oh Lord, every day, one day at a time, one step at a time. To that end, I pray that, Lord, you would bless this time of meditation that we have gone through. And I pray, Lord, that the enemy will not steal these these truths that you have sowed into our hearts, that it will fall on good soil and it will bear fruit even a hundredfold. Thank you, Father. Thank you once again for this time, Lord, even as we, Lord, end this night, end this day, and Father, and if you choose to give us yet another day in the land of the living, I pray, Lord, that we would all be found in your house on time, preparing ourselves continuously for your coming, O Lord. Let there be urgency in our spirit, O Lord. Let there be, O Lord, quickening in our steps, O Lord Jesus for the things which are eternal and not for the temporal. Thank you once again for this time. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 So see you all tomorrow morning. God bless you.